This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. from the ziggurat at omaha deep below the metro area it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 620 of the two at a nerd comic book podcast i am the internet's joe patrick and your head number one 620 smoke them up am i right matt bomb <laughs> yeah yeah you're off like smoke up you're two hours off and my name it's is 620 matt bomb. somewhere your head your head number two today on the show we travel back to a more innocent time in comics the mid-90s when men had ponytails and ladies had legs six feet long it's time for another cosmic long box episode and this time we're revisiting the original heroes reborn event from marvel after that, we'll wrap about our must-read picks for next week, and then Ryan Hebrews Mount sits down with Matt Lesmewski. That's got to be Sorry, Matt. Right? <laughs> it's a hockey I'm sure last Ryan name will pronounce sure. it correctly in the interview. <laughs> Creator of the new comic, Static, for Gotcha Questions. It's all happening in this completely reimagined episode, but hold on to your butts, nerds, because we're about to be transported to the year 1996. Magneto had a doppelganger named Joseph. Wolverine was barking like a dog and wearing a do-rag. The Macarena was the number one song on the Billboard charts. And let me tell you, the Cosmic Longbox is a huge Los Del Rio fan! Nineteen ninety-six was the height of nineties schlock at Marvel and DC. A year previous, Wonder Woman was wearing bike shorts and a tube top. Thor hadn't had a shirt on for at least a year, and Superman had a mullet. It was an ugly time for superheroes, but Marvel saw a way out. Kill off the Avengers and the FF, and then invite their lost sons, Rob Leefield and Jim Lee, who had revolutionized comics when they left the start image to take over. Now they would come back to show Jack Kirby and Stan Lee how these characters should have been done. And folks, the rest is history. Our journey begins with Onslaught Marvel Universe! Onslaught Marvel Universe was... We, we should give them a little lead in here. So here's how we're doing it this, this week. We, have, we are bookending the very start of the Heroes Reborn event which was actually the end of the Onslaught event. And then the very end of the Heroes Return event, which, technically speaking, brought the heroes back from <laughs> the Heroes Reborn universe. In other words, Peter David had to clean up a mess. Onslaught Marvel Universe was written by Mark Wade with art by Andy Kuber. And if you, like I said, if you want to read the complete Onslaught story, starting with the road to Onslaught up to this comic, you're looking down the barrel of 95 issues. Special now, to be fair, to be fair to to that list, they are also including a bunch of stuff like one panel from this comic where they do a thing, hey one man, panel from that comic where they, they do lifted a thing. the list from the Marvel reading order. So I'm giving I get it, it. I get it. I'm saying comicbookherald.com did the work and figured it out. It is impossible to bring the uninitiated up to speed, but the short version is. The darkest it's not really that it. It's not really impossible. It kind of is. The darkest part of Professor X and Magneto's personalities took physical form and became a giant red 
armored wearing monster with fangs named Onslaught that wanted to bring about Apocalypse's vision of reality as seen in the Age of Apocalypse event. See, you just did it. For real. It's not that hard. Well, but like you might be asking yourself, well, why? Onslaught wasn't there. And how come Professor X and and Magneto is Joseph is around and this thing has a body? Like, there's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> went into well, this. look, we don't need to get into the, the <laughs> nitty gritty of that kind of thing. Joseph and, and Magneto are two separate characters. Ooh, are they? That's Do a whole different that? conversation. Do we know that? They are. Okay. We know that for, um, it's an undisputed fact. All right. Luckily, all of Marvel's greatest heroes, or at least the Avengers and the Fantastic Four anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. Show up to Spider-Man aid. wasn't invited. No, nope, it wasn't around. I mean, it's New York. It wasn't around. They show up to aid the X-Men in punching Onslaught as hard as they can. And he is defeated. But at what cost? <laughs> All the Avengers and the FF penetrate Onslaught's force field to, like I said, hit him real hard, and he dies. But he takes all of them with him, just as an imprisoned Nate Gray, who is Cable, without the techno-organic virus that holds back his telekinesis from the Age of Apocalypse reality, and Franklin Richards escape, leaving the X-Men in a world with no heroes. The Marvel Universe's most powerful preschooler. <laughs> right. Or at least a world with no FF and Avengers and the Hulk. Because it's Heroes Reborn time! It's just almost impossible to sum up a comic that was 95 damn issues in the making. But I find it very hard to believe this was all leading up to the Heroes Reborn event. Well, I mean, I think, <laughs> it's, it's I, think the, I think the left hand was shaking the other yes. here. Because... yes. The X office had been building to this onslaught event for years. Right. Uh, like I, the seeds were planted all the way back during Chris Claremont's, uh, the, towards the end of Chris Claremont's run with the introduction of Bishop, where he came back in time uh, with the knowledge, the future knowledge that one of the X-Men would be a traitor and the and would murder the x-men and that would lead to bishop's dark timeline yeah you had so what we're talking uncanny x-men 281 is first or 282 or 283 is first prince of bishop also drawn by wills portachio right. more on that guy later <laughs> and uh yeah the, his his whole deal was that he came back in time to stop the x-men traitor and save the timeline spoiler alert the traitor is professor x yep Sort of, but not the, Magneto. The, the trainer is sort of <laughs> Professor X, yeah, and also sort of Magneto. Yes, I think that they just kind of built on this uh, foundation that uh, Claremont laid down before he left the books. Oh, for sure. And it ultimately became the onslaught event, and Marvel, knowing that their um, flagship superheroes were in the toilet, sales wise, you know what? Except for R.I.P. The Wade and Garney Captain America. God bless that. Well, the X books were still selling really Poor well. Poor Doomed No, I know. I'm talking about the books that got rebooted. Oh, the, Avengers. The, like the flagship character books. And that's something we should mention. Like, the, this was a time where, like, the Avengers easily had the worst outfits they have ever it's, worn. It's not, oh, uh, well, no, no, no. Point of order. Not too many years prior to this. We had them all running around in matching leather jackets. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Black Knight had a laser sword. I mean, we don't you know need to what? get into it. I might take the leather jacket over like shirtless Thor and that. Hercules shaved off his fucking beard. That What's that about? giant man. God, that giant, that oh, awful, just terrible. Uh, <laughs> so it, 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 It's hard to imagine a time. It's hard to imagine a time when the Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, 
and the fantastic well fantastic four is another matter but right ff cap and iron man at least uh were not the biggest characters in the land no but in 1996, they weren't. Yeah, the X-Men ruled Marvel Comics. Spider-Man was oh, doing yeah. fine, too. That's why they didn't touch Spidey with this. Right. Because Spider-Man was oh, yeah. kicking oh, ass. Sp- Spider-Man, Spider-Man had just... Uh, he may have still... He may have actually still been dealing, sort of, with the ramifications of the Clone Saga had while this was been. going on. 96? Had to have been. So, yeah, no, this was this would have been, like, at the tail end of Ben Riley as Spider-Man. Yeah. As actual Spider-Man. Yeah. And um, But, yeah, like, those books were all mammoth sales successes oh yeah iron man on the other hand had teen tony yep (laughs) uh the fantastic four was probably fine but it didn't have like it didn't have much going for it captain america book had wade and garney which was a huge critical success but i don't know that it was a sales success and then the avengers nobody gave a shit yeah nobody gave a shit about the avengers it was garbage at the time and so marvel made this deal with Liefeld and Jim Lee. And they were like, you know, what would be a great opportunity to set up heroes reborn the end of onslaught. Totally. And so it was like the tail wagging the dog, I guess. So let's talk about Andy Kubert here for a minute, because I love Andy Kubert and I have this, like these wonderful feelings of reading Andy Kubert drawing Wolverine and X-Men and stuff. Oh, a, Adam, this was Adam, pardon Adam me, Cooper. Adam Kubert as a kid. And this was very, Adam Kubert. <laughs> like, I loved it. I loved the intensely Adam Kubert at times. <laughs> yes, like, infinite Adam Kubert. Yeah, Professor X who was like flexing and stretching his legs and like crawling around Spider-Man style and stuff. Everyone was so posed. It, this look, it's hard to stick the landing on any crossover. All right, and Mark Wade did the absolute best he could have here to make this feel like a big heroic sacrifice. But let's be honest. All they did was punch onslaught in the face. That's it. The whole, that's what they did. That's what they did first. Right. Step one, punch onslaught and until his container breaks open, right. like a, like a bowl you've dropped on the floor. Step two, walk straight into onslaught and let him soak you up like a sponge. <laughs> yeah. Because the that's mu- how they defeated him. The mutants couldn't go in because he would suck up their mutant, whatever he would get stronger and right. get stronger. But when everybody else that wasn't a mutant, it's just like, you're not sucking this up. Good luck. Bro. Except for the Scarlet witch, because she had hex powers to protect her. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't need to talk about that. So they get shunted into a pocket universe that we later find out is created by Franklin Richards. And it, lives in this little blue ball that he carries around. More on that later. If nothing else, when they do return, everyone's outfit is much more tasteful. So I'm giving this issue a buy it. It was a huge end to the Onslaught stuff. It was super fun. Was it stupid? It was absolutely stupid. No question. Absolutely stupid. But it felt hugely important at the time. Yes. All we knew is like they... They told us the Avengers, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Hulk, canceled. It's all canceled. And we went, what? <laughs> yes. It was terrifying. Well, I mean, we, we knew they weren't canceled because they were, they had, they advertised in the end of, at the end of this book, they advertised the new number one. No, they did. But like in when Wizard came out at that time, they were just like, they're canceled. They did it like two or three months before we knew anything. And everybody was like, oh. <laughs> It was uh, so great. So I, I want to give credit where it's due. This book is also co-credited to Scott Labdell, 
so my guess is that it was it was Wade and Lobdell plotting it, and then Mark Wade wrote the script. Yeah, Lobdell was uh, writing which, the X Men at the time. Yes, right. and you know Onslaught was a a huge X Men event. He was the guy steering the ship of the oh, X Men. Yeah. And yeah, uh, like I love the Onslaught event. I love it. I t- and it, I was telling I was talking to Matt and I were talking about how how many uh, issues this crossed over into. And I said that it's the only comic book event I can think of where almost literally every single mainstream title in the line had one to three issue tie-ins. Oh yeah. Easily. Like, and we're talking Hulk, Spider, like all of them, yes. all of them. Every, Venom. For this, <laughs> for this mutant event. <laughs> yeah. Everything had a tie-in. And, um, and so like it, it, it's huge. It's, it's gigantic. And I loved it. And yes, the ending is very silly. Whew. Like they, they literally do punch onslaught to death and then go stand inside how, of him until he dies. How do you get out of it though? I mean, really? I, right. A few yes. years ago, I, yes. a few years before this, they killed Superman. How'd he die? He got punched to death. You know, like, yeah, th- yeah that's exactly. what happens. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, I, but I think that this comic is pretty well done for something for a mid nineties cheese ball you know, event. Right. And I, I think Wade, you know, Wade stepped in and he did his damnedest. And I wish I could say the same about Peter David stepping in and doing his damnedest at the end of the event, but we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I'm giving this a bite as well. I loved the Adam Kubert art and it is like, it is peak. Oh my Adam Kubert. <laughs> like, yeah, it you, is you Adam didn't, at his- didn't it's Adam at his most Kubert, without a doubt. You didn't, you didn't mention this, but you made a comment in your written review about uh, how the Watcher looks like he's got his, like his head looks like an orange on a tooth. The, the opening page literally looks like a Looney Tunes cartoon where like the big bulldog strangles Sylvester and then lets go, and his his neck is like a matchstick, and his head is just like inflated with blood. You know, like it's. Yeah, no, I, I looked it. at it for a I, long like, you know what? time. Like, the, the more alien he looks, the better. I thought it was great. Woo. Yeah, this is a buy it. It's it's super fun in a in a very cheesy 90s way and for better or for worse it led to something that kind of revitalized marvel that as a true. business entity that is true and we'll get to that too but right now screw the mcu joe we are out of the 616 That's we are right, now in the heroes reborn universe yeah uh my first review is a uh, fantastic four number one um, it, it's from Marvel. Like we know this, and they're all 1996. Lee, Get over it, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, Marvel Comics 1996. Just put that in the back of your head. Jim Lee and scripter Brandon Choi play it relatively straight for this relaunch of the world's greatest comics magazine, including a modern take on an unauthorized space launch. There's no ultimate or movie style space stations or teleportation arrays to be found. Like they straight up steal a space shuttle. But instead of trying to beat the Ruskies into space, Reed, Sue, Ben, and Johnny are trying to prevent the corruption of their own work by a shady government agency. You guessed it. S.H.I.E.L.D. But what they don't know is that Special Agent Wyatt Wingfoot is under the thumb of a certain European dictator who happens to be Reed's former best friend. I, I'm not going to spoil who it is. You guys just have to read the comic. I'm sure you've never heard of him otherwise. Yeah, probably not. Who, this version did get sucked into the onslaught bubble. So it makes sense that they're here. You know who didn't? White Wingfoot. <laughs> but <laughs> not important. Well, okay. Let's, <laughs> all right. Let's just, let's just address this right now. Franklin Richards has created a pocket universe 
it would be silly if it was only populated by the 12 people that got sucked no, into the portal. I agree, but he created this universe and it like includes all these people doing these very adult things that he is supposed to be like in godlike charge of more or less. Well, he's not controlling. <laughs> he's not like puppeting them. I, he's not. I guess. I don't know. Well, hold on, man. We'll talk he's about not, it. though. We'll talk about it at the end when he's having a conversation with the celestials, but it sounds like he might be a little bit. He's not, he's not, he's not like consciously controlling the actions we'll of these there. characters. We'll like this there. is a, this is a world where its own history kind of developed in fast forward. We'll have this so fight when you, we get to heroes reborn. So, but listen, because you're going to bring up the same shit in the Avengers review about Loki. Loki wasn't there. I but know there is a Loki here. And, and we'll talk about that too, because we'll get there. Just, but the bottom line is that this world, this is a full world with versions of many characters we have come to know. Right. Not, and some of them are just constructs. Yes. But, but the FF doesn't know that. So Wyatt Wingfoot, Dr. Doom is controlling Wyatt Wingfoot, blah, blah, blah. Here we are. This version of the FF's origin reads like a modern but respectful take on the Silver Age original. But Brandon Choi is no Jim Lee. Ooh. This comic book is verbose with a capital V, <laughs> but not really in a fun, snappy, hey, true believers kind of way. Yeah. It was almost like Jim Lee was like, you know what? I'm tired of drawing action. I would, you know what, Brandon, <laughs> if you could just like really plot out a bunch of dialogue and some cutesy, just sort of but fun scenes with like all of them, like, except for Captain America, I think they were all like that. Yeah. All the books were like that. Uh, it, but, you know, it's really not that bad especially compared to some of the other stinkers we read this week absolutely jim lee is jim lee so there really isn't too much i can say about the art except that maybe the 2021 jim lee has learned how to not lean on gratuitous butt shots <laughs> i remember heroes reborn fantastic four being the best of the bunch by a landslide and rereading it 25 years later definitely reinforced that memory this gets a buy it yeah this is good did they like reinvent the wheel or fundamentally change fantastic four not at all. <laughs> not Which they even, didn't need to do. Like not they even just close. They just modernized it, right? right. It's yes. and right. And it, it seems like Jim got the memo, but the next person we're going to talk about may not have. So we'll talk about that more in a minute. But yeah, this book <laughs> looks great. It's only fall down is that like, man, it did not need as much dialogue. A little more action. <laughs> it would have been fine. Would have been it's just talky. It's plenty fine. talky. Yeah, but it did look great. Next up is Avengers number one, 1996 Avengers number one. So don't bring it into my comic shop and tell me you have the first Avengers comic. You don't, okay? From Marvel. Written and plotted by Jim Valentino and Rob Liefeld with art by Rob Liefeld and Chip Yap. <laughs> I, call, I used to call him Chap Yap. Chap Yap, we'll call him. Loki is quickly figuring out that this Earth realm dimension is not the one that he recognizes because there's no rainbow bridge and Asgard is missing, which doesn't make a lot of sense. If Loki is a construct, why would he remember that stuff from the other world and have because these Franklin questions? did his job too well, <laughs> but he didn't pull Loki in. It's a new Loki. <laughs> it doesn't make right, sense. But this Loki knows that there should be an Asgard and a rainbow bridge, Val but it's not there. Valentino is writing dialogue that literally dares you to keep reading this it, is dude far and away the worst flowery thor dialogue i have ever read i'm gonna read you this, this is panel. the this is the comic book that last week i mentioned that i read four pages of and had to stop so here, this is a loki threatening some avengers and here's what he says 
Yes! Run and call thy masters, mortal! Whilst I do that which could ne'er be done before, whilst mine thrice-cursed enemy doth slumber. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Just now to be fair, woo. that's how Stan used to do it. That is true. That's absolutely true. Loki sort of serves as the narrator here, as his astral self flies around Avengers headquarters, but He's got some real memory issues like I dealt with, whereas he's remembering some things that he just shouldn't know at all. He can remember some things, but can't remember others. He knows Asgard is missing, but he doesn't recognize the name The Avengers. And he thinks it's odd that the Fantastic Four have yet to go on their first mission. So, knows the Fantastic Four, doesn't know The Avengers, knows Asgard is missing. <laughs> like, what is wrong yeah. with this dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... It's weird. The redesign on the characters here is laughable. I'm not trying oh, to be God. mean. <sighs> I'm not trying to be mean. And it's not just the design that's bad. POV is so messed up that there are some characters that look absolutely massive, like 13 feet tall, massive. Okay. <laughs> this new earth is crazy futuristic. So much more than the Jim Lee Fantastic Four book we just read with just terrible design like this New York Harbor that looks like a goddamn space station. <laughs> and it also it's New York Harbor, but it's but that's the Avengers HQ, isn't it? No, they're, they're showing New York Harbor with they're going there because there, there's a problem there. And it's oh. like in the middle of a mountainous desert area <laughs> or something. There's no city around it. Like this is New York. And not to mention that the pacing is terrible. Nothing happens in this book. Nothing. The book opens with Donald Blake, who is now an archaeologist, I guessed, finding Thor in the ice instead of Captain America. And then it ends with Thor coming out of the ice. More on that in a second. <laughs> the idea behind Heroes Reborn was for the hottest creators in comics at the time to give their take on Marvel's biggest heroes. But instead, we get a few redesigned characters that look suspiciously like old Leafield creations. Hellcat, for example, who's just feral with no nose. No question. That is feral with no nose. Right. Also, he recycled that same character for a young blood character. I can't say the name because it's completely forgettable, but she was even dressed the same exact way. The story begins and ends with Thor being discovered in the ice and then freed from the ice for a brief misunderstanding before teaming up with the Avengers. And that misunderstanding is literally Thor busts out of the ice and goes, where am I? And Loki goes, remember when these guys tried to kill you? And he's like, yeah, let's get them. And then they're like, no way, Thor. That's Loki, the god of lies. And he's like, oh, yeah, my brother does do that. I'm an Avenger. <laughs> like That's the entire story. This is not a fresh take on anything. It's not a take at all. It's more of a gentle reboot without a single original idea. And some of the worst hero redesigns that I've ever seen paired with terrible POV and laughable anatomy. I honestly can't believe they printed this other than to prove a point. That point being 
we don't need you at Marvel anymore, Rob. So much so, he got fired in six That's issues. Not, no. <laughs> yes! They fired him. They kicked him yes, off the I, books. Yes, I know that, but that's not why they hired him. That's not why they hired him, but man, it sure seems like it. All right. Now, you, you, I just want a point, a point of order here. That scene you're talking about, they don't go to New York Harbor. They go to wherever they find Thor in the ice, and that's where they fight Loki. The futuristic thing you're, you're thinking of is the Avengers headquarters in New York Harbor. Which looks like it's by a mountain in the desert. No, it does Agreed. not. It is in the harbor and right next to it, across the, across the bridge, are some skyscrapers. Yes, you are remembering <laughs> incorrectly. Ever. I, I, I can't give this a bigger leave it. This just feels well, like... yeah, it's terrible. This just feels like Leafield and Valentino like got the news they were taking over this book 24 hours ago and wrote it and <laughs> no. drew it as fast as they could. No. But they didn't. I, that's see, like, not man, I wish case. I wish that could be the excuse because that you know that that's not right. Right, I, I you know that they knew that this was coming for course. months. They knew this for probably a year ahead of time. And now, okay, now this I is will what say we this. got. When you know that, when you know that you've been hired to come back and quote unquote save Marvel Comics. Good lord, why the hell does Chap Yap draw? 60% of this comic. No idea. Why? No clue. And, uh, and look, I, and Liefeld, Liefeld is a frequent punching bag for his art. We try not to lean too heavily on that. The Liefeld art in this comic is the Liefeld art in this comic. It looks the exact same as every Liefeld comic you've read for the past 30 years. I disagree. I fundamentally I disagree. I, I totally, I agree with myself. I went back and I looked at some of his new mutant stuff that I loved. And it is better That's than this, earlier, Joe. Matt. This, that was five years prior to that. I understand that. And somehow he got worse at his trade. I'm he, just saying. Because like, it was, that was five, six years earlier than this. This art is not now, just bad, Joe. It's problematic for a professional artist. It's the kind <laughs> of thing. Now, if you no, brought but this. Now, look. Say that Joe Patrick drew this and brought it to a professional at a convention and said, I would like you to look at my stuff. What would they say to you, Joe? What would they say if they were being honest? Would they say, wow, your point of view is great? <laughs> like, no! But that's just it, Matt. Rob Liefeld didn't have to do that because I, I, he was already a superstar by I the time understand. this came out. I understand. And now, and, and look, you have your opinion on the Liefeld portion. I have mine. But I will say this. I was never more happy to see Rob Liefeld than I was when the chap yap portion of this comic ended. Oh yeah, chap. Yes, because I agree. that art is abominable. It's terrible. It, it is like terrible. it's it's worse. It's worse than even like it's worse than you think. Yes. just based on what I'm describing. And like Marvel it's, knew they got this, and was it just too late? They were like, "This is what the kids I don't want." Know. I don't know. We Give them what we they want. We can't pretend to know, Matt. We can't <laughs> pretend to know. Let's not even speculate. You know how I feel when Look, I uh, just, about you doing that. I just want to be in the room where that decision when they were looking at it, going like. Oh, <laughs> this is the yeah, finished like this, product. This, okay. This artwork, <laughs> this chap yap artwork is just, just disgusting. Well, not it, to mention like, no backgrounds, no backgrounds. Well, I, to be but, fair, the chap yap stuff is full of backgrounds. Well, his is. Okay. I'll the give you The Liefeld stuff is not. <laughs> but God, the, um, the hair on some of these characters the Rita, and whatnot. Uh, okay. Now, um, th there's a sword, there's a version of the swordsman here. Oh once God. again, just to head it off at the pass. Swordsman was not there when the heroes fought Onslaught. Nope. So this is a fake character. Yes. Uh, however, 
Uh, he looks relatively normal-ish for a 90s character in the Chappie App portion, but then Rob Liefeld draws him with a bowl cut that would make Guy Gardner blush. Oh, yeah. And literally just put a different head on Profit was all he did. He put a different uh, head on Profit. Why are the sleeves on his shirt so puffy? I, not his sleeves, the shoulders. Yes. Just the shoulder parts. Yes, shoulder pads. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's Hellcat looks terrible. Uh, Thor looks, Thor's costume is okay, I guess. Um, it's but, uh, better Hawkeye, than what he was wearing. Why does Hawkeye, why does Hawkeye look like Wolverine? Yeah, they gave him like, it, like, I, it, it, like, and his mouth is completely covered because they didn't want to yeah, draw he, a mouth yeah, or yeah, nose. Yeah, right, yeah, his He's whole got, face like, is covered. The pointy Harlequin, like, eye thing sticking out. It's, it's just abominably bad. It, it, <laughs> there's like, no question. Yeah, there's no defense of no this. Good. And I'm not piling on, and I'm not saying let's beat up Rob Leefield, but this is indefensible. Yeah, it's bad. It's a leave it. We've said enough. It's a leave it. Don't read it. It's bad. My God. My next review is of Iron Man and number one. Well, we should contrary announce, to Fantastic we should Four, back to Team Jim Lee, who was controlling. Back to, yes, back to Team Jim Lee. <laughs> yeah. Contrary to FF number one, Lee and Scott Lobdell deviate quite a bit from the traditional Iron Man origin story here. Uh, there's no war-torn country where Tony learns the error of his weapons-dealing ways. Uh, in fact, this Tony is an unrepentant shithead. He treats people, even his closest allies, like disposable commodities. Uh, they are beneath him. They are ants to him. He's in the middle of throwing a huge party to celebrate his acquittal from antitrust charges when Hydra attacks one of his facilities to detonate Bruce Banner's gamma bomb. Whoops. Naturally, Bruce has to sacrifice himself to save lives, and the Hulk is born, and that is what causes the injury that leads Tony to don the armor for the first time. Lubdell's script is peak 90s Lubdell, and I honestly couldn't tell you if it was good or bad because I felt like it was kind of hypnotizing me. <laughs> I, won't, I won't apologize for it. I loved the way Scott Lubdell wrote look, this. I know that you love Scott Lubdell. <laughs> you would marry him if you had the chance. Oh, yeah. I would definitely kiss him on the mouth with tongue. <laughs> I, now, I did kind of enjoy the updates to Tony's uh, backstory, and we learn a little bit about Camelot which is the collective of genius friends that Tony Reed and Bruce, among others were in, in college. Uh, I believe they get a brief mention in fantastic four, number one. Uh, and we will learn. We, you, you learn more about them in the issues to come. If you dare to keep reading, <laughs> let's talk about Will's Portacio for a second. Cause yeah. <laughs> boy, man, who boy, uh, I have never been a huge fan, but I've always been able to find things to enjoy in his early work, especially his X-Men. Whoever drew this comic, though, is from another planet and only learned about what humans look like from bad surveillance footage, kind of like how 80s kids learned about girls by trying to look at pixelated Skinamax movies on basic cable. Yeah, man. I just, I don't know where to file this art. I was telling you, I was telling you last night we were texting. It looks like everyone is made of short ribs. <laughs> like, like meat was just pumped into their bodies. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, uh, like I think sausage said, stuffing people. <laughs> you, you, po you posted on the fan group earlier today that uh, they looked like they were full of hot dogs. Everyone looks like they are made of hot dog meat. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, they look, they look like skin suits packed with hot dogs. Yes, like uh, God. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also, I don't think uh, Portacio knows what human clothes look like either. No. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> all of the men are wearing bizarre suits with huge shoulder pads. Huge. Yeah. Uh, Betty, sorry, Liz Ross is dressed like an actual stripper. Not just like, no, it's, yeah. It's Halloween or I'm at a fancy party. She's dressed like a stripper. Joe, she's dressed like a stripper from Battlestar Galactica, maybe. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is, and not to mention the fact that, like, it's all so androgynous. Like, the dudes could easily be wearing women's clothes. The women could easily be wearing men's clothes. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. No, there isn't. Uh, But that Madame Hydra outfit. Like I, I looked at it for a long time <laughs> before. Yeah, like I, and I was just like, uh, if you if you squint just a little bit, like I would think, like man, that dude would kick the shit out of me if I got in a fight with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I looked at it again when I was writing this review, and I w- became very distressed because um, this design he's created for Madame Hydra. Uh, is this kind of bustier looking thing with a bunch of like cutouts going up and down yeah. the sides. And it looked like her hot dog meat was spilling out of the cutouts. Yes, it's so and just- uh, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not here to body shame anybody, but like, no, this is not, uh, this is, this, this is not good. Yeah. It's it not good. Wilson. It made me hungry and it disturbed me at the same time. And that's uh, a special uh, kind yeah, of gross. Yes, it was, <laughs> you know, like when you look at was, that hot dog uh, that's been on the roller too long at the quick shop. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. It's like gas station food, yeah. right? Like you're really and your hungry. Your head's like, don't do that. And your mouth's like, eat it. Yeah. Like, you know, you shouldn't, <laughs> like, no, you, you, you know, you that. shouldn't want it, but your body desperately God, wants it. It's like, ugh. Uh, be, uh, Pepper Potts, I think uh, it was so unclear. <laughs> That's another thing I noticed is that whoever edited this book did a terrible job because you've got word balloons that are pointing at the wrong characters' heads. Yeah. You've got uh, captions that have each character's names offset yeah. from where they should be. So it's like, <laughs> here's a here's a grid of character faces. It's Bruce. It's Doc Sampson. It's Liz. It's Pepper. It's Happy Hogan. And instead of being under the person, they are shifted to the right. Right. And not only that, but it's every other person. Right. And so it, only and every like, other person gets a name and they're under the wrong head. Right. And it looks like there's a possibility that there may be someone off panel that we can't see that is yelling <laughs> this at the people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, Pepper, Pepper Potts. I, I, I think it's oh. Pepper Potts. Uh, Pepper Potts seems to be wearing a mechanics jumpsuit that's been turned into a kimono. <laughs> I, I, I don't it, like from the waist up. It's business from the waist up. Let me change your oil. And from the waist down, it's right. Japanese tea ceremony. Like, I, I cannot tell if he is a genius or a madman. Like I can't it, tell. It, like maybe it is. It's truly. It is like it's like every sci-fi. Uh, comedy where an alien tries to pass for human. Right, like but, they're like, ah, ha, 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 but ha, it's ha also yes, sports ball. Ha, ha. Like that straight right? up hot culture, like high fashion. Like this is not something anyone would ever wear in the right. real world. And people and look at a, it, it and they go, that's a masterpiece. <laughs> so yes. it's like, I don't and, and know. It's not, and it's, <laughs> Maybe it's not a, a cultural thing either. No. Because you cannot link this to any earth culture no. on the face of the planet in 1996. I'll take that even further. You cannot look at anyone in this book and identify their race. They could be of any racial background or every racial background. Which again is you fine. Can't tell. But it, 
it makes it it makes it very difficult to tell the characters apart. Right. Like uh, the the only the only way I was able to tell uh, Jasper Sitwell apart from Doc Samson is their hair color because they were both just long haired ponytail wearing white dudes. Yeah, but not just a ponytail. It was like sides are shaved. The ponytails up in the air. Very. Um, it was like that high. Shinobi shot, like Shinobi shot. Yes. Like they used to draw him like, with po- like the everybody the, had this like yeah. alien future. Asian thing going on. <laughs> it's so weird. And uh, you know, again, not a, again, not to pile on, but I looked back at the comic again, and uh, the anatomy is all over the fucking place. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, Samson or Jasper, probably both. Uh, they look like they have eyes on the sides of their heads, like a fish. Yes. And uh, they both. They both clutch their glasses. I, I'm doing the hand gesture so Matt can see me, but like the, their hands compared to their glasses, which are supposed to be normal human glasses, <laughs> makes it look like they are gripping shot glasses like in their entire hand, right. which is not how you hold a shot glass. <laughs> no, and not to mention everyone in every panel. Like it, we talk about how Mike Diodato like likes to draw gay porn and everyone looks like they're orgasming constantly. Oh yeah. Everybody's having sex in this. Okay, comic. So everyone in this book, they look like they're having a stroke in every panel where it's just like someone is standing there having a relaxing conversation, but the picture is them like, ah! <laughs> you know, just like eyes bugged it's out, so like, forehead flexing jaw, it's, like offset flexed. And <laughs> just like, what is, there, is there, happening <laughs> in, in that? In that Everyone looks uh, like they're in the goddamn electric chair the entire yeah. time. <laughs> uh, on, on that page, I mentioned with the grid of heads with the mislabeled names, uh, the one that is supposed to be happy Hogan is uh is a profile shot so it's just the side of his face and he looks like he has a second chin coming out of the bottom yes! of his chin <laughs> yeah, like it's so gigantic it's so strange uh, enough, enough. All right, listen enough we have to stop okay potassio has always had an unusual style but this comic book it it just looks bad it looks bad I can't. Tell. I will <laughs> shut up. You don't No, You like, it's tell. fine to be a fan of Will's Portacio. This comic book. What if, his, we, what if we don't know? <laughs> his, the art in this comic book is terrible. Uh, I will say this though. I still think that his Iron Man design kind of kicks ass. Yeah. It's fucking rad. He, now that's I, like, just it. Like when people put on armor, all of a sudden you're like, okay, now yeah, shit's about to get real. Got it. Will's you just can't yeah. draw humans. <laughs> I get it. It's just, it's bizarre. It's, yeah. it's, it is otherworldly. It really is. Uh, heroes are born. Iron man. Number one. It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess guys. Oh my the God. story is kind of fun. The art is beyond bonkers. Not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> I am giving this a skim it because it's a, it's, it was an experience. Yeah. Right. Like when it was over, I was like, man, uh, I'm glad I read it. My memory of this is way different than it uh, than the reality of it. Yeah. And uh, but uh, it's just it's so bizarre that you can't help but have a fun time reading. Yeah, it. I, I'm right there with you. And like, I don't have a whole lot to add, but I rem- while reading this, I thought to myself, oh, man, I'm too stoned to read this comic book. And then I realized <laughs> I was not stoned. I was completely you were not stoned sober. enough. Matt. You were <laughs> not stoned enough. Totally sober. And the comic was just making me feel so fucking weird while I read it. <laughs> yeah, it's a skim it. I don't understand Will Sportacio, and I would like to talk about this more. 
because I don't know if he's good. So this weekend, please, somebody call. Let's talk about this. I need to sort through this because I feel weird. <laughs> more, more specifically, more specifically, let's dial in on early Wills Portacio so that we can kind of examine what we thought we enjoyed. Yes, that's what I need to know. Because I know I loved him on Wolverine at one point. I know I loved his ex stuff at one point. And then I think he went to Image and was just like, oh, they like me? Well, now you get the real seen, me! Right. They haven't seen nothing yet. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, yeah. It, like, I remember, I remember very vividly reading Uncanny X-Men 281, which was the uncanny uh, equivalent of x-men number one it yeah. was the same month right the kind of soft relaunch yeah and i remember really enjoying his art though yes. it was it, it was very stylistic stylized exaggerated but there's nothing is, like this. this i don't remember anything like this happening in this is comic. before he started hanging out at smokehouses and looking at like you know smoked hams for reference of the people he was drawing so in this know. economy <laughs> steam hams back to the lee field team for captain america number one from marvel again don't bring this into my comic shop and tell me you have captain america number one you idiot this was written by jeff Loeb with art by rob lee field steve rogers maybe cap in the pages of the valentino and lee field avengers but here he has no idea who he actually is. And he's been living with his wife, Peggy, and freakishly square-jawed son, Rick. By night, Steve dreams of wearing <laughs> the red, white, and blue while throwing his shield at evil. But that's just a dream, right? Meanwhile, Cable, I mean Masterman, is preparing a rally for the forgotten white downtrodden populace. He's in full swastika regalia. <laughs> with yeah, they even comment on, on it. Stage. They're like, he's like, I know. You see those swastikas and it bothers you. But here's the difference. We're winners. Not like those Nazi losers. Everyone's like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, an unnamed ex-World War II chef presents Steve with the shield he stole from a castle in East Berlin and smuggled back to the States because he knew one day he might bump into Captain America, I guess, and then die off panel after reminding Cap who he once was. Or something. <laughs> Once again, there is no fresh take here. No hero reborn. Just an alternate reality that doesn't jibe with the other alternate reality, Steve. And some of the worst art and anatomy and paneling that I can recall. Now, to be fair to Mr. Leefield, I reviewed some of his older comics and raved about how good they looked. But by 1996, something with his art has changed. It is just lazy, and I don't know what else to call it. Characters are missing feet. There are no backgrounds. Some characters stand almost five goddamn feet taller than others. Jawlines and elbows are sharp as razor blades, and the hair, good God, the hair. I know it sounds like I'm railing on about the art, but there is no story to talk about here. Steve is amnesia, a masterman, like I said, who looks exactly like Cable, without the bullet bandoliers, is riling up white folks. The end. Cap went through some dark times before this, which included stories where he became a goddamn werewolf, but nothing before or after is this bad. I am telling you. This is the worst Captain America story I have ever read. And Whoa. I cannot give this a bigger leave it. <laughs> okay, so 
uh, I read this and I remember texting you and saying, you know, uh, the Captain America comic was better than I remember. And I think that's just because I think the dialogue is better. Because Jeff Lowe wrote the dialogue. Jeff Lowe wrote the dialogue. Uh, And, you know, this was like young hollow, young Halloween. This was long Halloween era. Jeff Lowe. Right. Jeff Lowe was great. He was great. And uh, yeah. And so, yeah, the dialogue is pretty decent. It's it's not bad Um, at all. And I don't know. And and the plot even like I like the idea. I like the idea that Steve Rogers, it's not the same old like he's trapped in ice. Like, no, he's his memory has been robbed from him. He is living a false life. He's got like a a shield agent or or whatever, like watching his every move uh, in case there's trouble. It's kind of reminiscent of that scene. (laughs) It's it's kind of reminiscent of that scene in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the movie where he thinks that he's living, you know, this bachelor life and he's got a hot neighbor and he wants to ask her on a date. Oops. She's a shield agent watching his every move. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of stuff, like I liked about that Masterman, Yes. The redesign Masterman is an existing character. He, he was the invaders fought him, you know, like he's right. an old Marvel character. Um, he does look just like cable. He is his cable. <laughs> There's um, no question. And, uh, the art, the art, there's no chat here, by the way. This is no, 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 no. Yes, you're right. This is the book that Rob said, I want to focus on chap. I need your help finishing Avengers. This is just Rob. Yes, right. And to be fair, I think that the appeal of Rob Liefeld as an artist has always been the flashiness of his style has always overcome the shortcomings of his of the technical side of his art i refuse to accept that (laughs) i'm saying it's true though it's true like i'm not saying you're wrong i'm saying i refuse to accept (laughs) i'm 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 not saying i'm not saying that it is i'm not saying that it is a valid defense here because this book does look like so many shortcuts were taken my god Uh, and, and like he can't decide how big Cap Shield is supposed to be. Nope. It sometimes it's no bigger than like a very large frisbee. Sometimes it's larger than a garbage can lid. Yeah. Uh, and um, there is that you you mentioned uh, the heights of different characters. We had a long discussion Jeez. last night about uh, the elderly black man who recognizes Steve Rogers. Uh, from World War II and tries to get him to remember being Captain America. And there's a scene where Steve and this guy are standing side by side and Steve's thighs, not his waist, no, not his stomach, not his chest, his thighs. This man is either Oompa Loompa tall and Steve is normal height or this man or Steve is, is five, tall. five and Steve is nine fucking feet tall. Right. <laughs> One um, of Steve, the two. Steve's, uh, <laughs> This guy, this guy stands eye level with Steve's crotch and um, it's distressing to look at. Like if you look at it and go, Ooh, yeah, that's not like your brain, your brain tries to make sense of it. It's like, Oh wait, he's old. Right? Yeah. He's, he shrinks. Cause he's old. No, no, no. This is no, he looks like a toddler compared to Steve Rogers. Yes. Like this, <laughs> this is like the world's oldest toddler. Yeah. I'm not going to keep going on about the art because we've done it for, for three straight books now. But, uh, yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. It's um, it's and this is this bad. is a in this comic, 
the 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 things that I may have loved about Rob Liefeld's flash and style are they do not overcome the shortcomings of, of the art no. of the execution. No, and but that has always, 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 always been the biggest criticism of the early days of Image Comics that they were all style over substance. Oh, of course. Yeah. And well, no one is raving then, about that's the, what sold. That's the, what the fans wanted, baby. No one is raving about the early young blood books or like the, the plot from the first wildcat story. No, the wildcat shit we like is when Alan Moore came in, you know, and started like but writing so, the fucking you book. Know, like if, if so Savage Dragon, like Eric Larson has um, gone off the deep end. Like he's basically turned Savage Dragon into a softcore porno. But porn Eric book. Larson was also and, doing a different thing from day one. And but he's also, varied. but he also had a singular vision. Yes, he was a good artist. Yes, and he executed that vision, and he did it very well. Todd McFarlane was smart enough to bring on uh, other writers and artists and stop drawing his own book him. because he was lazy. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. Like like. Like he, Todd became a success because he knew when to adapt. Right. He became a professional credit Jim Lee, taker. <laughs> Jim Lee knew how to adapt. Right. But Rob Liefeld never adapted. And you mentioned it earlier in the episode, but after six months, Marvel said, look, Rob, your books are not performing the way we needed them to be. And it wasn't a malice thing. There no. was no conspiracy. Nobody like, Nobody at Marvel brought Rob on just to rub his face in it and fire him six months later. But no, Rob came onto the book and failed. He yeah. failed. And so they let him go and they gave Captain America and Avengers to Jim Lee's team, which led to a much stronger second half. Not great, no but better. And also just sort of felt like, uh, regular cap in this world. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. In fact, there's like a, there's a distinct moment in the later issues of captain America. I don't remember exactly which issue it is, but um, captain America peels the Eagle off of his forehead and replaces it with the classic a. Right. And it's like, yep. Okay. It's so we're, it's business as usual. Then. Yeah. I think that was uh, the moment where the people that own fighting American were like, we are going to sue your balls off. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no problem. Look, we fixed it there. <laughs> well, but even then that was Rob Liefeld for a time. Yeah. Well, that was anyway, later. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, this comic book is bad. This comic book is bad. Uh, the dialogue is, is decent, but it just cannot save. No, it cannot save the rest of it. Let's, this is a leave it. It's, stop talking about this, please. <laughs> just uh, my God. <laughs> let's, let's move on to a book. That's bad in a different way. <laughs> Wrapping up our reviews for this week is Heroes Reborn, The Return, number four, which was the, the one, end of the Heroes Reborn event. The one that put and it all back together, baby. The triumphant return of the heroes to the Marvel Universe. When Matt and I started on this doomed odyssey, uh, I read the bookends first. So I read the Onslaught finale and then this issue. From which... I was expecting a grand return for the Marvel universe's <laughs> yeah, greatest hero. Right. What I got here was anything, but uh, here's a quick recap of the story. So far, the celestials have become aware of Franklin's little pocket universe and they are not having it. So obviously they're making the four-year-old choose which world gets to live and which one gets to die. Yeah, I mean, the 616 earth or the heroes reborn earth. And I should stress, this is very Unka Ben 
Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yep, Franklin. it is. That's it Just, was that's how they wrote him God, at the time. I couldn't. They've gotten over it. Thank you very much. Oh, I could not stand it. Uh, so the heroes of both worlds get together to try and save all of the onslaught survivors before Frank's blue bouncy ball gets yeeted into the sun or whatever they're going to do to it. <laughs> For some reason, there's a rogue celestial that looks like a hot human babe. Uh, and she wanders around naked except for a trench coat. And she's yeah. no shoes, though. No shoes. No, you know, no. She's got nothing on under that yeah. trench coat. Uh, Tony Stark decides that he needs to bone down with the figment of a child's imagination one more time for old time's sake. Yeah. Well, it's Tony. Uh, anyway, blah, 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 portals, yada, 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 Dr. Doom's betrayal, bing, bang, boom, the heroes are back. Bibbidi, boppity, boo, Dr. Strange makes a deal with Eternity to save both worlds. And the hot celestial dies because of matter reasons i don't know it's unclear well she was injected into from what i understand and i could be wrong but she was injected into that universe and like wasn't actually a celestial she could go between both and she was gonna well, she was a celestial she was a celestial she was well yeah shima right but her job was like you will disappear with this reality if you go there to do this yeah well what it what it okay maybe but there was there was something about how she said, look, you need to trust me. Trust me. I'll get you home. Trust me. I'll get you home. And instead, Dr. Doom was like, I can save us all. Let's get in my spaceship and go. Yeah. And apparently that was the wrong call. And she, uh, she throws off her human suit and I, I, I don't know. <laughs> instead of looking like a celestial afterwards, she looks like the human torch, but with boobs. Sort of. Yeah. And then, and then at the end, she looks like a celestial. Anyway. This comic book barely makes any sense at all. Peter David's dialogue is uncharacteristically bad. I don't know if he was just rushed or if his heart wasn't in it or what. Uh, not only that, but the ending is a complete letdown. This is the finale of a year-long experiment yeah. where you are bringing your biggest heroes. Right. This should be a tinker tape parade. With, yeah. New York should be welcoming the heroes back. Right. We, none of that. None of it. Instead... We get Hot Celestial's funeral, which was just weird. Like, why? That's the end. Why? Uh, I will say this, though. Uh, while it does have some issues, Salvador LaRocca's art is flashy and it's exciting. And it made me long for the days when everything he produced it didn't look like it was traced over. Yes, something. this is the Salvador LaRocca that I love. And he got better after this. Like, he would improve he did. He did. over the years. And yeah, uh, yes, this is De decent Salvador LaRocca art. Heroes Reborn, The Return, only barely delivers on the promise of its title, and it does so poorly. The real return to glory for these characters will come in the relaunched titles that follow. Do yourself a favor, read those instead, and give this a leave it. Yeah, I don't get it. And I don't know if this is, and I agree. I think there may have been some like editorial thing or something, but why editorial decided, hey, you know what? This needs to be more dour and like and sad. Yeah, <laughs> and like, yes, right. you know, like let's let's really focus on the fact that like a whole nother world perished because we want a fucking four year old to learn a lesson. You're way too powerful. See what you did, you little dipshit, when you saved your parents' lives. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's like I they don't... just wanted to teach Franklin like a horrifying lesson, a moral lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could have just brought him back. We could have had a good time. And honestly, this could have been one issue long. 
there was no reason for yes. four issues of this shit. And I read all four. Cause I just like, first I thought we were, oh, reading, I am very sorry. I Why? first, I thought we were reading the first one and then I was like, Oh shit, he's doing issue four. Well, I'll just finish it. Oh my God. What? Not just, was it like dour and sad and the opposite of what we needed? It was boring to top it off. It was boring. <laughs> it was. Yes. Yeah. It was boring. I'm giving it a leave it. I, and I just can't, I think we were at a point where everybody didn't care. They were just like, look, the heroes are back. I don't give a shit about this book. Let's just get on with like the Avengers and Captain America. And like, and we're just done. Cause if like, go look at this collection on eBay. I think it sells for 99 cents for all four issues. Nobody cares. I, like I remember, I remember as a fan in 1997, uh, being so excited for this book to come out yes. issue after issue. Yeah. Not because I, and I, I realize now, it's not because I was enjoying it. It's because I was so excited for the characters to come back. Right. And like, I, I read this. I could not believe that I had blocked out how terrible it is. Yeah. It's just it's, awful. It's bad. And it, such a weird choice. <laughs> it's such a yeah. weird choice. Before we leap back into the current time stream, we have to pick one of these books to add to the permanent collection. Joe, if you have to Do we know? If you have to slab one of these comics, which one would you hold your nose and send to CGC? And mind you, none is an acceptable answer. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it's none. <laughs> uh, I mean, if I were if I were going to pick one, um I mean, I'd say the Fantastic Four one was it's the most Onslaught, dude. One. The Onslaught one. I mean, come on. I mean, Onslaught. Onslaught was great for what it was trying to do, but as far as the actual Heroes Reborn event, I think Fantastic Four was the most successful title. I'm giving it to the Onslaught book just because it, it capped off that crap, and it was super 90s and ridiculous. But that's what we were living through at the time. And the Fantastic Four book, while looking really good pretty boring <laughs> honestly <laughs> you're right it's true it was pretty boring and like jim lee does not do boring it they went out of their way they were it's like they were like okay let's sit down at the school of you know walt and louis simonson and john byrne and 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 jack kirby and really boil down what is fantastic for well, what are they boring got it okay let's do that <laughs> like no no they're not you guys <laughs> All right, all right. That's enough flogging this dead horse. New comic book day is less than a week away, and now it's time to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to let a little blood out for the dark comic gods and talk about our must-read picks for next Wednesday, May 19th. Matt, what's your pick for next week? My pick for next week is Shang-Chi, number one, written by Gene Luang Yang, illustrated by Dyke Ruan. It is 32 pages. It is $3.99. You may be saying, Matt, we just had a Shang-Chi number one. This is the new ongoing series that spins out of the miniseries. Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe! Shang-Chi and his family are back, and this time they're colliding head-to-head with the Marvel Universe's biggest heroes. Shang-Chi has finally taken his place as the leader of the Five Weapons Society, but using an evil secret organization as a force for good won't be easy. And it's about to get a lot harder when Shang-Chi's fellow superheroes, like the amazing Spider-Man, 
maybe you've heard of him, start to see him as the bad guy. Jingling uh -oh. Yang and Dekro Ann return to bring you the next chapter of the Marvel Legend. I just finished the Shang-Chi miniseries that these two did, and it was so much goddamn fun. They very gently massaged continuity to update Shang-Chi, get rid of the Fu Manchu shit, introduce a whole family thing where Shang-Chi is now a good guy working in an evil family and pretending to be bad to do good things. And it's really fucking interesting. And I cannot say enough about Dyke Rowan's pencils. That dude is a goddamn master. And there is no one else I would rather on a Kung Fu book like this. And let me tell you, I love Kung Fu comics. Joe Patrick, what's your pick for next week? You sure do. My pick for next week is Fantastic Four Life Story number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Mark Russell with art by Sean Isaacs. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's a solicit. In the tradition of Spider-Man life story and in celebration of the FF's 60th anniversary comes this series, setting the lives of the fabulous foursome in real time across the years. Amid the backdrop of the Cold War and the space race, a terrible accident gives the Fantastic Four great powers, a terrible secret, and entangles them in the history of their planet. Uh, so this is the FF version of Spider-Man Life Story, uh, which if you read, well, it was by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley. It basically uh, took place over the span of time as though Spider-Man became spider Peter Parker became Spider-Man in 1963. And then things progressed naturally in real time. Yeah, Spider-Man in real time. Yeah. And, and so, like, it ended with Peter as an old man in the present day. Uh, it's great. That book is great. Uh, this is the FF uh, version of that written by Mark Russell, which has me very, very excited. Yeah, Mark, Mark Russell, Russell is one of my favorite writers uh, currently in the comics biz. And I cannot wait. I think it's going to be awesome. Sean Isaacs is a great artist. Has Don't Russell, pass this up. Has Russell done any Marvel stuff yet? Is this his first Marvel stuff? Um, yeah, I think it's his first like main project, okay. yes, but I think he's done things here and there. I'm excited for it. The THN trade for next week is La Mano del Destino, the trade paperback from Image Comics. It is written and it is drawn by Jay Gonzo. It's 240 pages for $22.99. This book came out quite a while ago, actually, and I bought it on Patreon. I think it was like a Kickstarter, I think. Even. Kickstarter, yeah. Because it looked so goddamn cool. Here's your solicit. La Mano del Destino tells the tale of a once champion luchador who, after being betrayed by his friends and unmasked in the ring, which is like the ultimate sin for a master wrestler, agrees to a Faustian bargain with a mysterious promoter. He gains a new power and the identity of La Mano del Destino in order to exact revenge upon his betrayers. Set in a swanky 1960s Mexico, where Lucha Libre is intrinsically woven into all aspects of society, as it should be. This tale winds its way through the machinations and motivations of all types who inhabit this unique setting. Can Lamano Destino get his revenge while remaining the champion he knows himself to be? Mesoamerican myth, Silver Age storytelling, and high-flying Lucha Libre action converge to tell this epic story of vengeance. And destiny! This book is so goddamn cool. And I'm not just saying this as like a wrestling fan who, yes, unabashedly loves Mexican wrestling and Lucha Libre and Luchadores. This is beautiful, beautifully illustrated pop art. 
I cannot say enough about it. It collects Lamano del Destino, numbers one through six. I am super proud to own these comics, and I can't believe it's, it took this long for Image to put this out. Go check this out, you guys. I, I, well, that's I, how it goes with Kickstarters. Can't usually. say enough about it. Uh, actually, this comic is older than you are remembering because the single issues were self-published and it was one of the earlier books we reviewed when we were still recording the show yeah, at Legend Comics and Coffee. He sent us one. That's how I originally got it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we've been, this has been on our radar for a long time. Yeah. 10 and goddamn good years. For this, good for this guy to finally have a collected edition coming out from a major He's publisher. So he deserves the success. So talented. And everybody should pick it up because it is legit great. And, like, I'm not, like, I, I, I like the aesthetic of, of, Lucha Libre and, and that sort of thing, but I'm by no means like an expert or a long time fan or anything. Uh, and I freaking loved it. I, I loved live it. it, bro. It's wonderful. I, I know you do. Every day of the week. You, I can't yeah. have sex without my luchador mask on. That's just how it Ooh. works. All right. Well, that's <laughs> enough of that. You can find our complete review list every Wednesday on Twitter and Facebook if you want to read along with us. So hit up your local comic shop and pre-order all of these comics so you can play along. And don't forget to pick up the THN Take a Look. It's in a book club read for this month. We'll be reading Seven Secrets, Volume 1 from Boom Studios, written by Tom Taylor with art by Simone DeMeo. It is gorgeous, and it is a fun creator-owned project from a writer that we are both really enjoying right now. It's true. Catch up. Join us for Take a Look, it's in a book club with our special guest to be revealed at a later date. And patrons, go check out our review of Jupiter's Legacy that we did with our buddy, Stately Lord Fungus. It is up. Is it? Now and again, we find a creator just desperate enough to come on this show. And this week, our very own Ryan Hebrews Mount sits down with static creator Matt Lesmuski for some gotcha questions. Welcome to the Ziggurat, Matt. Hope you survive the experience. Alrighty, so everything I've read of yours, uh, Static, The Freak, Antique, and Arctic Hell, they all seem to be based around like a tragic protagonist. First off, I just want to ask, are you okay? <laughs> but, I think so. but, I think so. <laughs> but mostly, what kind of yeah. draws you to these types of characters? That's what I'm into. Like, I like dramatic stuff. I like over the top, like just, and at the same time, if, if, if a character is just, you know, not really going through anything, it's not that compelling. It's not that, where's the conflict? You need some kind of conflict. And I always, I don't know. I like internal conflict more than a crazy plot. I mean, that's throughout my work too, but because I feel like you kind of need that, but I'm always into like what's going on upstairs. What what's going on in your head? Like everything kind of starts with that. I feel like yeah, and which is good. And and for those that haven't read your work, I can guarantee you not a lot of text boxes and uh, self exposition. So while a lot of stuff's going up there, you know, I, I really do appreciate that you can see that on the page. Um, so new book coming out, Static. Uh, it started off as a self published book. So how long ago did you self-publish it? Um, and how long has this idea been in your head then? I started the idea, I don't remember the exact day, but uh, <laughs> beginning of 2019, that's when I, I started 
um, putting the idea not on paper, but just kind of typing away. And cause I had, I had the theme and in, in kind of like the dilemma that I wanted to explore, um, way before that, like, I want to say probably 2017 ish. Cause I remember the, the day job that I had at the time, I was a, I was a delivery driver for like a <laughs> office supply company like a local small local thing and i would drive around in this van delivering orders and at, at, when i'm at the red lights or i'm just going from one business to another i'd have i'd be thinking about this specific idea is it kind of the career element of it uh is kind of tied to that a little bit like the idea like what if this is all i'm i ever do like what what if <laughs> this is just my is this it is this my life I just get up every day, do this, and and just those thoughts spinning in your head while you're just sitting at a red light, like thinking what you really want to be doing. And like, if I just keep doing this, so much time is going to pass. I haven't done anything else. So I could get out of it, but now, now I'll be starting from nothing. So part of the idea does come from that. Okay. But, um, and that's as early back as I had the idea, but I, I don't think I was ready yet to do this big of a project. All At right. the time, I just, I did smaller things. I had to kind of work so, up to that. So how much of that original first chapter is, is in the book today? As it is, it's, I didn't change anything. It just, except the, the self-published one was black and white. So it, it, it's the same thing. It's just, I'm, with this book, I'm continuing the story and bringing it to an end. What made you really want to finish it and finish it now, I guess, then? Like, why come back to this idea instead of, you know, you're riding high on an Osner, uh, Eisner nomination and uh, you're like, this, this is the story that I have to tell. <laughs> well, the Eisner thing came way after it was already, it was already done. It just, because uh, I finished it beginning of 2020, it just... It, it, it's not coming out until now. Um, and I have this weird thing in my head where I'm like, I have to finish whatever I'm on. Otherwise I'm just going to abandon it. Cause I, even more recently, like I'll, I'll start an idea and then I'll have to do not have to, I'll, I'll, I'll end up doing something else. And then when I return to it, it's like, I just lost the passion for it. So I have to, I find that I need, when I start something, I need to just see it through, finish it. And now that's, I, I did it. I accomplished that. And, um, it, it, if, like I said, if I try to return to something later, it, it's a struggle for me. I don't know why. Like I, I'm not in that zone anymore or something. Okay. Like I'm not in that mood. All right. So I, you know, I, I will sing your praises a bit. I, I really, I did a deep dive and I, I've really enjoyed what I've been reading. And so you, I do have Thank to say you. you're an incredible world builder. Um, and I mentioned there is not a ton of exposition on the page, which is fun to read. I love being the cold dropped there in the open. Uh, but I was also kind of um, reading the back matter and static a little bit. And you were extremely detailed in your planning. <laughs> I think so. So, I mean, looking at those back pages of like, I've got this all written out. And so I was like, how much of the world is built in your head before you start 
putting those layouts and putting those scripts down on paper? To me, it's, it always starts with just, it's all in my head. I'm just thinking it out. I'm imagining the whole thing. Like I can see, I don't want to I don't want to give away certain locations, but everything that you saw pretty much, I envision, I envision the whole thing and this might make me sound insane, but I'll just be pacing back and forth. <laughs> like <laughs> thinking of it like, okay, this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. Okay. And then what do I go from there? All right. Not saying that I, I can see the whole story, but the general like plot points, a lot of times I can, cause I'm, I'm visual. I'm, I'm an artist first. So I'm picturing what I want it to look like. Thanks again to Matt for coming on the show. Ryan and Matt have a long and excellent conversation. I'm going to put the whole thing up on our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You can get all this extra stuff, and we work really hard on it, and we thank everybody that supports us. Static hit your local comic shop this Wednesday, and it's also available on Comixology.com. Matt, thanks for joining us, and Ryan, time to get back in your cage, you deviant. That is it for THN 620. And next week, we're back to new comic reviews. And we're going to catch you up on Marvel's latest Venom event. It's THN TLDR, the King in Black edition. Until then, Joe Patrick, remind these nerds about the question of the week we're going to be discussing on Cover to Cover this Saturday. This week's question comes from Brian Domingos via the THN forums. What is the series or miniseries that you think is trash, despite loving the creative team? Uh, guys, we do need your question of the week suggestions, so please uh, send them my way via Twitter, Facebook, the forums, wherever. You know how to reach us. Send them in an email. If you want to wrap about this week's episode or any of the weekly nerd news we're following, hit us up on our live call-in show. It's THN Cover to Cover. It happens on Saturdays at 11 Central Time and it's hosted on our Facebook page. You can call us at 402-819-4894 or join us live on Zoom by clicking on the link in the Facebook video chat. If you can't be there live or you want to submit anything for a show segment or, like I said, a question of the week, send us an MP3. Send it to 2 at gmail.com or leave a message on the hotline and you could be internet famous. Please try to keep it on the shortest side. Two minutes or less is the sweet spot so we can share the air with all of the other nerds. If you're new to the show and you would rather be hired to reinvent a comic book legend and only to be fired within six episodes than listen anymore, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive over at twittednerd.com. Hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. Just want to thank donors like our patron, Anthony D. Sounds like he's right. Tony D. Sounds like a hitman. Don't make me bring Tony D in here. You don't want that monster yeah, coming in big, here, do you? Big Tony D. I'm a nice guy. I'm trying to nah, help nah, you nah, out. Nah, 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 nah. You don't Tony want me to D, bring... nah. Tony D's a little guy. <laughs> you don't want me to bring nah, Tony no, D. No, no, no. I here. mean, big Tony D. <laughs> big Tony D. Before we go, are we? Uh, that was very offensive to Italians. I apologize. Oh, for they all had that. it. They had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Robert Venditti, one of our favorite Hawkman writers and creator of Hank Howard Pizza Detective in Caligula's Safe. That is for Bad Idea Comics. That's a title, man. <laughs> Boy, it is a mouthful. And saying all of those words and then ending with Caligula is really difficult. Without him knowing it, Bad Idea challenged Venditti to eat 24 pizzas in 24 hours and sent 10 pies his way this morning, Wednesday, May 12th. Word to you, Robert, and don't be stupid here. You have too much to live for, sir. Yeah, I mean, like, come on. Bad idea. They're not going to be around in a couple of years, right? <laughs> don't die for this. Come on. I mean, it's right there in the name. You know it when you hear it. Just don't fall for it. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just go Caligula at your next pizza party. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. No, thank you, sir. <laughs> You're just going to burn yourself. That's a bad idea, you know? <laughs> Ugh, man. Like, keep it. Keep it tucked away, bud. Mm-hmm.